you have your Bible and want to read with us tonight, we're going to read from the book of St. Luke, chapter number 24. I'll just read one verse for our text, verse number 32. St. Luke 24 and verse number 32. If you are uh, visiting with us, amen. Not only thank you for being here, but I want to give you an invitation to come back. You're welcome. Amen. To come and worship with us as many times as the Lord would allow you. And uh, also we would love to have you be a part of our church family. That's what we are. It's a family of believers. Amen. You're welcome here. Luke chapter 24. Reading from one verse, verse number 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. I want to preach and title our message tonight on a burning heart. A burning heart. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for health and strength in my body. Thank you for a a desire. Thank you, Lord God, for uh, allowing us to be able to be able to come together in a nation, Lord, where without fear of persecution, without fear of death, without fear of imprisonment, oh God, in a land of liberty, there's a lot wrong with this country. Lord, yet and still you've blessed us. And I thank you for every blessing. Anoint the preaching tonight. Enable and anoint our ears to hear it, our hearts to receive it. And Lord, as clay in the hands of a potter, tonight would you mold us, shape us, conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Make us holy as he is holy. God, if you see anything in me that's not like him, deal with me tonight with holy conviction. By the word of God, the sword of the spirit, carve it out of me, I pray. Oh, God, fill me to overflowing with the fullness, the power of your Holy Spirit. Meet us in this altar where I pray you'll save and heal, deliver and make free and make new. Oh, God, baptize us all again with the fire and power of the Holy Ghost. And we'll praise you for it all. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. A burning heart. The story or the text that I read to you comes out of a story of how our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ turned tragedy into triumph, sadness into gladness, broken hearts into burning hearts. And I want to talk to you on that subject of a burning heart tonight. Uh, You know, there are ought to be when we open the pages of God's word and revelation of who he is begins to illuminate our eyes and our ears and our hearts and God begins to talk to us about his dear son our hearts ought to burn anew with love with zeal with passion with holy fire amen Jeremiah said his word was in me like a fire shut up in my bones. And I could not stay down. I had to speak for him. The psalmist said that his tongue was as the pen of a ready writer. His heart burned with Jesus. You know, you'll talk about whatever you're passionate about. You'll talk about whatever's burning. On the inside of you. You just got to tell somebody. Amen. What you are feeling. What you are experiencing. What is going on inside of you. That's what I want to talk about tonight. The subject again of a burning heart. Number one. Let's look at this thought. The distress of a heart that comes through losing Jesus. The distress of heart that comes through losing Jesus. Amen. In uh, a seven to eight mile walk from Emmaus to Jerusalem, that is where our story, our, our text is right in the midst of a story of Christ has risen from the dead. 
He has not been discovered yet by his disciples, only Mary Magdalene and some of the women that were with them have given word to the disciples that Christ is risen. The Bible said when they heard that Christ was risen, that they did not believe them. That astonishes me. Christ preached over and over again that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be scourged and beaten and crucified. He said, but on the third day, I will rise again. He told them that more than once. If they had read the scripture, he said, these are they which do testify of me. The scriptures testified that the grave could not hold him. Peter would later quote through the psalmist, thou wilt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And more, you know, uh, Old Testament prophecies concerning the death and the resurrection of Christ. But astonishingly, they had been under his ministry for three and a half years. Heard him preach, seen him do miracle, countless thousands of miracles, seen him raise the dead, heard him through his own testimony say that he would be crucified and rise again. Not only were they not there waiting for him to rise again at the tomb on the third day, not only were they not there, they when the women that were there, Mary Magdalene and others that had seen him, Mary at the tomb, other women on the way, when they heard the testimony is risen again, no one, not any of them believed them. The disciples, uh, Peter and John, went to the tomb, found he was not there. And we pick up in this story, Cleopas, uh, along with another disciple who we only know is called Simon is on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus and commentary says it's a seven to eight mile walk. And we pick up this uh, story with our text tonight at the end of their conversation with the resurrected Christ. But if you back up a few verses in verse number 17, Christ speaking with them, we're talking about the distress of heart that comes through losing Jesus. They thought that the one, their master, their teacher, the one that they called was a, or, or they, they thought was at the very least a great prophet among them has been lost. They watched him be crucified. He has died and they are very sad. We're talking about the distress of heart that comes through losing Jesus. In verse 17, it said, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Jesus told them, that he would be crucified on the third day, rise again. The scriptures foretold of it. But in this dark valley of the shadow of death, they could not see the hope of the resurrection. All they could see was the shadow that his death had cast upon their life. Hope was gone. Hope was lost. Hope had really been forfeited to despair. You know, if Satan steals your hope, your joy, the life that you have in Christ, he can't take it. You have to forfeit it. You have to forfeit it. Give it up. Really, their hope had been forfeited. Their faith shaken to its very foundation. Their love for Christ smothered out with the sorrow of death. You and I tonight live in a dark hour of hopelessness on the horizon. In the last days, perilous times shall come. We live in a land where there is some kind of crisis in the news every single day. Men's heart beginning to fail them for fear come of, of the things that are coming upon the face of the earth. In Luke 21 verse 25, it speaks of 
and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. We are there. We're living in an hour that has cast a shadow of night and darkness. Jesus said, work while it's day. The night comes when no man will be able to work. A distress of heart that comes from losing Christ or losing sight, losing vision of Christ. The reason for their distress of heart was number one, a limited conception of Jesus Christ. A limited conception of Jesus Christ. First, a limited conception of his person. In the reference to Christ, they don't speak of him as deity. They don't talk about him as God manifest in the flesh. They didn't even refer to him as their Messiah. If you read in verse 19, there again in Luke 24, it says, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. This is what, this was the answer they gave to Jesus when he said, what are these manner of communications that you speak one to another and that you're sad? They said, are you just a stranger in Jerusalem that you don't know what's going on? You didn't hear about Jesus being crucified. We supposed him to have been one who would redeem the nation of Israel said, which was a prophet mighty indeed. And word before God and the people, these two were disciples. They had heard Christ say, I and my father are one. They had heard Christ speak. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. No doubt they had heard him say to Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If any man come to the father, he must come by me. They heard him say, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. They heard him preach all of these things, yet they were treating him merely like he was a man from Galilee. Indeed, he was a man from Galilee, but much more than a man. He was the God man. Indeed, he was a prophet for everything he spoke came to pass or will come to pass very soon. But he was also Messiah. Born of a virgin. Amen. Raised on the third day. Incorruptible. Amen. Ascended to the father. Holy. As he was in the beginning. I've often wanted to ask people the question. Who claim also to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And literally fall to pieces. Or turn back altogether at the slightest distress of heart. I've often wanted to ask them the question, is that all you think about Jesus? Is that all you think of Christ, that you're going to serve him? You know, as long as everything's good, as everything is all right, as if he's merely a showing on Sunday or a word spoken about in the Bible. Is he not the Lord of your life? Is he not King of kings, Lord of lords? Is he not your everything? Is he not reality to you? What could possibly turn my heart away from this living Savior? What could ever separate me from the love of God, the Apostle Paul said? What could possibly make me lose my conviction, cause me to lose my fervency, my passion, my fire, my zeal for the Lord as long as I keep him before me, as long as my eyes are fixed and fastened on him? How could I ever turn away from serving him? How could I ever cease to love him, to praise him, and to magnify him? They lost, they lost through a limited conception of his person. They were in distress of heart, in distress 
of heart because they had lost sight of his person. Amen. Listen, Jesus, not merely a, a, a man, not merely just a name we mention on Sunday, he's Lord. He, in, in fact, he was there walking with them in their darkness, in their distresses. He was there walking with them in their unbelief, uh, listening to their sad song and their sad story. And when they got through with all of their sad talk, uh, he said, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? Why are you so, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and be crucified and raised again on the third day? He's just, just trying to tell them this was God's will, glory. His will was done. We should be praising God tonight, not for the fact that we live in a dark hour, not that we live where wicked men are in rule, Men are lobbying, wicked men or women are lobbying for position to take rule. That, that Christianity is under severe persecution, not only in the Middle East where they're slaughtering Christians, not only in Africa where they're slaughtering Christians, but also in America where the name of Jesus is the most censored, outlawed name in the land. I'm not rejoicing because that's the world I live in. I'm rejoicing because it's the will and the plan of God that when you see all these things begin to come to pass, then lift up your head and know your redemption draweth nigh. I have not lost sight of his person. I still rejoice with the angels in the book of Revelation that when all this, all these things were going on in the earth, they said, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. It takes nothing away from his person. Also, they had distress of heart because of a limited conception of his power. Not only a limited conception of his person, but a limited conception of his power. Listen, in verse 21, they said, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. They put the emphasis on the third day. Today is the third day since these things were done. Why did they emphasize the third day? Because they had heard him speak that no sign would be given to that generation except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days, even so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days. He al they also heard Jesus uh, uh, speak to the Pharisees and say, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They knew the emphasis on the third day. The resurrection of Christ is still the greatest proven fact in the history of the world. I want to say that again so the devil can hear me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is still, it still remains the greatest proven fact in the history of the world. In Acts chapter one and verse number three, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or after his suffering and death by many infallible proofs. He showed himself alive after his death by many infallible proofs. What are the many infallible proofs? They set in this sanctuary today. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can put a man and woman's marriage back together again? This living resurrected Christ. What can make a, a, a drunk man sober? This living resurrected 
Savior? What can free an addict from his or her addiction? This living, resurrected Savior. What can make a sinful man, a wicked man, live holy and righteously and godly in this present world? Oh, the grace of our living, resurrected Savior. Many infallible proofs. How many times have I seen the Lord heal a sick and diseased body? How many times have I seen the Lord come through and answer a prayer in a way that only God can answer prayer? Did you know that a Muslim, a Muslim, he that practices Islam has never had one prayer answered, not one prayer, not one recorded miracle. Nobody's ever been raised from the dead praying to Muhammad. Nobody's ever been healed from a disease. He's never opened one blinded eye, one deaf ear, never made one dumb man to speak, never made one lame man to walk, never had one answered prayer, never a demonstration of power, of life, of ability. Why? Because Muhammad is in the grave. He is still a dead man. Allah is no God at all. Amen. It was derived by the devil. But when you call upon the name of Jesus, dead men have come to life again. Lazarus in the scripture is recorded to have lived after four days of being in the dead. When Jesus said, come forth. Dorcas, after the ascension of Christ and power was given to the apostles, Dorcas, a young girl, was raised from the dead under Peter's ministry. On and on and on, I could go, Paul, after long preaching, a young man named Eutychus sitting in a high loft, sitting in the window, fell asleep in the window and fell to the ground, dead. And Paul goes down and prays for him and raised him to life again. On and on and on again I could go. I could give you accounts. Amen. Personal accounts of things, miracles that I've watched God do. You know, one thing I've never seen God do is raise somebody from the dead. But I believe that I will. I believe that I will. Why? All things are possible to him that believes. Believe that I will because Jesus lives. And many infallible proofs he's given that he's alive. Resurrection of Christ is the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone of our faith. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then we are yet in our sins. And we're going to perish but Christ is risen indeed. He lives. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in my heart today. Glory. Verses 22 through 24. They said they just could not believe. They just could not believe without sight, without seeing, without touching, without feeling. They said, yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. This is Cleopas talking to the resurrected Christ who they don't recognize. They said, look, we, we, we've heard that he was alive. We just seen no proof of it. We've heard that he was alive. We just haven't discovered, discovered it to be a reality for ourselves. They were just like Thomas. Except I see the print of the nail in his hand and take my hand and thrust it into his side. I will not believe. Jesus entered into that room and said, Thomas, come and put your finger in the print in my palm and take your arm and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. He falls down and says, my Lord and my God. He said, you, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they which have not seen, yet they believe. 
things. Your faith consists of sight, sound, touch. I got to feel something to believe it. Well, that's not faith because a lot of times I can't feel God. You know, there's seasons I go through in prayer where it's dry. It's dry. I don't feel any feeling. I don't feel any chill bumps. The tears aren't streaming down my face. And then there's seasons I go through where it's like rivers of living water running through my soul, tears dripping off my cheeks, uh, hair standing up on the back of my neck, chills running up and down my spine, make you want to run a lap around the car or around this building. I can feel him, but do you know if I went by feeling alone, many times I would lose sight of my Savior because there are some seasons I can't feel him. And I'm reminded of his word, blessed are they that can't see and yet still believe. You know, there are things that I pray for I can't see. I can't see how it's ever going to happen. I can't see how it's ever going to come to pass. I can't see how it's going to work out because all I see is the devil at work. All I see is the impossibility in front of me. Do you know if I had to see it happening for me to believe it? No, no, Moses by faith refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter esteeming the riches of Christ greater recompense than all of the riches of Egypt as seeing him who is invisible Abraham while he dwelled in Canaan lived as a sojourner as a stranger as a pilgrim looking for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord hallelujah to God you can't lose sight of Christ of his person or of his power. They had distress of heart because they had a limited conception of his person, his power, and also of his purpose. They said in verse 21, they hoped he would have redeemed Israel. Hope he would have redeemed us, our people, our nation. They had no worldview of Christ's redemptive purpose for all of mankind. It was about therefore and no more. I want to tell you, God's bigger than Foley. God's bigger than Baldwin County. God's bigger than Bible Way. God's bigger than America. As long as we keep our eyes on the redemptive uh, person of Christ and Savior is Lord... And not only will we desire Christ to work in us, but will we desire Christ to work in all. I won't stop until this message is heard by all who are able to hear it. I won't stop serving him. I won't stop loving him. I won't stop worshiping him. I won't stop witnessing for him. I won't stop giving to him. I won't stop going for him. You can't lose sight of his redemptive plan and purpose for the entirety of the whole human race. Thanks be to God if he's working in Bible way. But he's bigger still than even our church. Thank God if he's working in your family. There's families that don't know him. Thank God if he's working here or there. We won't stop until he's working everywhere. Amen. And so they had distress of heart and were sad because of a limited conception of Jesus, his person, his power, and his purpose. Number two, not only did they have distress of heart because of a limited conception of Christ, I want us to look at the discovery of heart which comes through finding Christ. The discovery of heart which comes through finding Christ. Every person in the Bible. God spoke this to my heart today and I rejoiced. Every person in the Bible mentioned in the post-resurrection encounters with our Lord. Every person who was met by the Lord 
longed in their heart to see him, hear him, touch him, feel him, hold him, possess him again. Mary Magdalene at that tomb, longing to be near Christ, draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. If you've lost him, if you've lost a conception of his person of his power of his purpose if you long to be in his presence if you long to see him by faith again if you long to feel his power if you long to know his purpose he will come and restore unto you what's been lost discovery of heart which comes through finding Christ every person in the Bible mentioned in the post-resurrection encounters with the Lord who longed in their heart to see him to hear him to touch him was met by him in some way. Mary Magdalene at the tomb, Peter and the other disciples in the upper room, Cleopas, his companion, Simon, on the road to Emmaus, all encountered Christ as they searched and looked for him who had been lost. There's no person in this house tonight This is the good news. No person in this house tonight who longs and yearns to know of the reality there is in Christ as the resurrected Savior, Lord, Healer, Fire Baptizer, and soon coming King, that he will not come to you tonight and meet with you in this sanctuary. Hallelujah. No person that longs for him that will not find him. He will come. He will reveal himself to you in reality, in resurrection power. How did he reveal himself? Talking about discovery of heart, which comes through finding Christ. When when you find him, when he reveals himself to you, how did he reveal himself to them? Number one is a Christ of revelation. The Christ of revelation. Man, I got to thinking about this story today. My heart got to burning. Preaching on a burning heart, my heart got to burning today. As I, as I begin to read this story in the Bible, I pin this down in my notes and I'll say it to you in person. Oh, how I would have loved to have heard the sermon that Jesus preached to them on the road to Emmaus. My God, what a powerful sermon it must have been. He preached to them on the road to Emmaus in in verses 26 and 27. He said, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Could you imagine walking down the road and Jesus said, I'm going to start in the book of Genesis and walk you all the way through Malachi and everywhere in this book that talks about me, my power, my person, my resurrection and my glory. I'm going to tell it to you. I'm going to show it to you. Oh, my, 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 would I like to have been there to have a pen and a piece of paper in my hand and took notes while Jesus preached. I could hear him say, turn with me to Genesis 3 and 15 concerning the seed of a woman who had bruised Satan's head. Hallelujah. In the despair of Eden, when death and curse is pronounced upon all flesh because the wages of sin is death, there's also the hope of the Redeemer, the hope of the Savior, a sandwich right in there. Oh, uh, you know, a woman, he said, I'll put enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. You'll bruise his heel and his heel will bruise thy head. Only one seed of a woman. All of us are the seed of our father. But one would be a seed of a woman. He that would be born of a virgin will come and destroy the works of the devil. And right on down to Psalms 2, why do the heathen rage? Amen. Why do the evil, uh, you know, uh, uh, imagine vain 
things. And at the end of that psalm, it says, kiss the son, amen, lest he be angry and you perish in the way it was a messianic psalm. Isaiah 53, amen, uh, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Amen, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form to comeliness that we should desire him, that we did esteem him smitten, afflicted of God. Amen. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. I'm telling you, walking him all the way through all of the the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, walking him through the prophets all the way to Malachi. He expounded to them of Christ who should come, who should be glorified in the resurrection. As he spoke, the revelation of Christ in the scripture made their hearts burn with hope. Oh, they that had been sad, they that had been downcast, downtrodden, defeated, they that had lost vision of Christ uh, through the shadow of his death, uh, as he expounds the Holy Scripture unto them, uh, their eyes are illuminated, their ears are open where they can hear, and their heart uh, begins to burn with hope. Hallelujah. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching that men might be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Wherever this gospel is preached, men will be saved. Wherever this gospel is preached, men will be healed and delivered and set free. Homes will be restored. Lives will be transformed. If Christ be lifted up. He said, I'll draw men unto me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, He revealed himself as a Christ of revelation. Christ of revelation, not only through scripture, but also through the sacraments. In verse number 29, he continues on this journey, preaching to them, opening the scripture to them, their hearts are beginning to burn and he made as though when they arrived at their house, he made as though he would have gone on further. See you boys later. They said, no, 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 please don't leave us. And they constrained him to abide in the house with them. Verse number 29 says, but they constrained him saying, abide with us. It is toward evening. The day is far spent. I want you to make a little note of that in your Bible. For it is toward evening. The day is far spent. Sun's gone down now. Nobody walked at night. There's no street lamps. There's no cops on patrol. Nobody walked at night. That's when thieves and bandits and boogermans came out. Stay with us. Don't walk on this dark road. It's evening time. Nobody walks in the evening. The day is far spent. Stay. Tarry with us. Spend the night. Stay a while. Verse 30. And as it came, and it came to pass, as he said it, meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. This was not a communion service. This is not like going house to house, breaking bread. You know, as oft as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you show the Lord's death till he, till he come again. It wasn't the communion that he taught them in the upper room. This was a common meal. But he made communion out of it. Anytime Christ sets at the table of supper with you, you know, when we sup together, we're talking, we're fellowshipping, we're having communion. That's the way it is. Christ said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open unto me, I will come in unto him. Listen to this. And sup with him. Listen to this. And he with me. Notice in our text, 
This, it was Middle East custom that when you invited a guest in, whoever the Lord of the house was, that he would sit at the head of the table. He would serve the meal. He would bless the meal. And then they would partake of the meal. That was custom. The Lord of the house would do it. But whenever you invite Jesus in, he's not coming in as guest, Brother Daniel. He's coming in to be the Lord. Whenever you invite Jesus in, he's not coming in to be a guest. He's not coming in to visit for a little while. He's not coming in, you know, just to stay for a little while and then go like he came. If you invite Christ into your life, he's coming in to be Lord. Glory to God. I made a, a, a Brother Hanks preach a message here years ago. A long time ago, one of our first revival, he preached a message when the guest becomes the host. I've never forgotten it. I was reminded as I penned these words, whenever he comes in, he said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and sup with him. That's the guest. Here it is, reverses, uh, you know, uh, the, the roles are reversed, and he with me, he becomes the Lord. You're now supping with him, communing with him, fellowshipping with him. He revealed himself not only through scripture, but also through the sacrament. Perhaps at no other time are we made to fix focus uh, and bring Christ into plain view. We partake of that bread. We partake of that juice represents the wine, his blood. When we partake of his suffering, we're made to see the sacrifice of Christ, the glorification, the resurrection of Christ, the soon coming of the, you know, the promise of his return. All of that's bound up in the sacrament of communion. Communion, in essence, is in of itself fellowship, Abiding with him, remaining in him, communing with him until he comes again. Oh, God. Revelation through the scripture and also revelation through the sacrament. Amen. That's how he revealed himself. Amen. As a Christ of revelation, not only, amen, did he, Reveal himself as a Christ of revelation, but also as the Christ of resurrection. Verses 33 and 34, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered together and them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed have appeared to Simon. Christ of resurrection. That's a mess. Here is hope. He lives. Here is hope. He reigns. Here is hope. He's alive. I mean, they've been walking in the valley of the shadow of evil, in the shadow of death. They've been walking with no hope, distressed of heart, but now discovery of heart. Amen, because they have discovered that Jesus is alive. Glory to God. Discovery of heart, Jesus is alive. I've got hope. I'm not, my eyes are not on this world. My eyes are not on. I voted. I'll vote again come November. I'll vote with my conviction. I'll vote like a Christian ought to vote. Hello. <laughs> that might put some of you in conviction how you voted yesterday. I don't know. It does. I'll pray for you. I'll vote again, but mine eyes aren't fixed on election. No, no. Whoever the president is, Jesus will be my king. Whatever law they pass or strike down, the Bible's going to be my rule, my governing authority in my life. Amen. Christ of resurrection. Amen. Listen, I'm moving on to last point. We've looked at distress of heart through a lost conception of Christ. We've looked at the discovery of heart, which comes when we find Christ. Number three, let's talk about the devotion of heart that comes through serving this Christ. Devotion of heart that comes through serving 
Jesus. You start there in verse 33, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known to them and breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit have not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when they had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they had yet, uh, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of broad fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and, the, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was, uh, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And in verse 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Devotion of heart that comes through serving Christ. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Devotion of heart comes with devotion through passion. Did not our heart burn within us? Think about this passion. As soon as they discovered Christ was alive, I told you it was in the evening time. The day was far spent. It was at night. Nobody traveled at night. And the next verse said they arose. They immediately arose and went to Jerusalem to let the brethren know Jesus is alive and have appeared unto Simon. He ate with us and when he broke the bread and he prayed, our eyes were opened and we've seen the Lord. They immediately rose up. That's passion, folk. Passion. The power of passionate desire. Oh, my God. If you are not devoted to Christ, it's because you have not discovered him as the Christ of revelation and resurrection. But once you know him as the Christ of revelation and resurrection, once you've discovered him, you will be passionately devoted to him. You're not passionate about Jesus. You just don't know him quite good enough. But the more you come to know him, the more passion you will have for him. To know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. Thanks be to God. Some people are passionate about football, baseball, basketball. Some people are passionate about hunting or fishing. Some people are passionate about their children, their grandchildren, their family in general. But the Christian, his passion will exceed all of these combined. The passion for Christ to forsake sin and self. Uh, ain't nothing wrong with my boy liking baseball. I told him when it comes to Wednesday night, he won't be there. Nothing wrong with him like in baseball. Somebody said, come play on the travel team with us. Uh, I said, what does that consist of? We'll, every weekend we'll travel here and there and everywhere, you know, and, uh, and play against different teams and he'll, he can play year round and get better at it, you know. I said, when you say play on the weekend, you know, Friday nights, uh, uh, all day Saturday and close it out on Sunday. Uh-uh. Oh, I know you're a preacher. I 
know y'all go to church. We'll have devotion at the ballpark. You know, we read the Bible and share devotion with the kids. And no, 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 he'll have devotion in Sunday school, in Sunday morning, in Sunday night. You're passionate about baseball. I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm radical. I'm fanatical. I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm insanely in love with the Lord. Much learning has made you mad. We're fools for Christ's sake. Weren't my words, those were the words of the Apostle Paul. They thought he was a madman. Much learning that made you mad. He said, we are fools for Christ's sake. Hallie, we're counted as fools for Christ's sake. You're living that life. That's foolish. You abide by this principle and that standard and that conviction. That's foolish. God has taken the foolish things of the world and confounded the wise. They don't understand why a man is so committed to this Christ. They haven't seen him. They haven't met him. They don't know him. But once you do, once you have an encounter with Christ, everything else fades away. Oh, old things pass away. All things become new. Devotion through passion. And last, come help me curse and I'm through. Devotion through passion and devotion through action. I'm speaking of a devotion of heart that comes through serving Jesus. Devotion of action or through action. The action of being a living witness. Verse 33, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto us. We've seen him. We've ate with him. We've talked to him. We've heard him talk. We've, our heart burned while he preached to us. From Moses all the way through the prophets, their life was a living witness. He said, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. It's not Easter yet, that's coming at the end of this month. I'm telling you the message of the resurrection should be an everyday life experience with us. I've talked to him today. I walked with him today. I commune with him, had fellowship with him. My heart burns because of him.